<laughs> How many of you got your dog trained that well? That's an amazing dog. Amen. Yeah, don't chase the neighbor's cats. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great week. I want to make just a couple of reminders real quick. We're entering into the, the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas season. And here at City Church this year, we're, we're going to have a, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, you're not going to want to miss it. This whole stage is going to be turned into a Charlie Brown Christmas. And our, our children are going to be performing on the 9th and the 10th. They have a little half an hour drama that they're doing. And then I'm actually going to be preaching messages through the month of December entitled, What Would Jesus Say? What Would Jesus Say to Linus? What Would Jesus Say to Lucy? What Would Jesus Say to Snoopy? What Would Jesus Say to Charlie Brown? We're going to be talking about what Christmas is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. We have a great Christmas Eve service. And uh, on the way out today, they'll hand out a little calendar of all the events that are coming up this holiday season. I want to welcome you this morning. Um, today is our Operation Blessing Day. We've been doing this at City Church for over 10 years now. This church started in Altamont Springs. Amen? And we watched it grow from the very first year that we did this in Altamont, where we were able to distribute food to about 30 families when we were a very small church to... Now we serve hundreds of families every year. We're so honored that you would be with us today. I want you to stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read two passages of Scripture. I'm in a series entitled Baggage-Free Living. Baggage-Free Living. Live free, travel light. Everyone say, live free, free. travel light. light. God wants you to live free and travel light. A lot of us, and all of us as a matter of fact, we got some baggage that we tend to carry around through life. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to help you to unpack some baggage today. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning. The first one's found in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to read verse number 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. If you don't have your Bible, the Scripture verse should be up on the screen. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. And then we're going to skip over to the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse number 28. So... You can get ready to go there, but let's read Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. And Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. I have my Bible marked, so I cheated there. I got there faster than you did. Romans 8, 28. And the Bible says, And now we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Let's, let's, one more time, let's read that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for every life that's here today. I thank you for every person that's come through these doors. I thank you for every family. Lord, I know that your grace is sufficient today to give the hearers ears to hear. And Jesus, I ask once again that you will do what only you can do in the hearts of the hearers as you take my words and you turn them into your words that touches and penetrates our hearts today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to bring change. You're the agent of change. You're the agent that cleanses and comforts and convicts us of sin and helps us in our time of need. 
I thank you today that you are here to minister grace. And Lord Jesus, I just want to say thanks to you one more time. Thank you for all that you've done for me. I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. Now bless the declaration of your word today and your mighty and your wonderful name. And all that God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. We've been talking about baggage this morning, and I've defined baggage as hurts, memories, and habits that experience us, that hinder us from experiencing healthy relationships and the fullness of God's abundant life. Hurts, memories, bad habits, anything that hinders us from experiencing healthy relationships and the fullness of God's abundant life. Now, I got a few bags up here that I'm going to help me out with just a little bit. And actually, I'm going to cheat because there's a bag right underneath there. Why don't you hand me that little small bag right there? But I'm going to talk about baggage just for a moment here. Gonna, those of you that have heard this part here, you just hold with me here as we introduce this series this morning. But this is not my bag. This is actually Linda Fowler's bag. How does this look on me this morning? Huh? <laughs> little bag there. I know some of these guys are wearing man bags now. I just haven't graduated to that level. But, uh, you know, the fact is, in our life, we all have baggage. We all have hurts. We all have memories. We all have bad habits that hinder us from experiencing the fullness of relationships with one another and with God and living the abundant life. You know, a little bag like this in your life would represent little stuff, kind of personality stuff that's peculiar to you. I mean, everybody around you knows you, they got, you, you got a little of these things. You, maybe a little quick-tempered sometimes. Maybe, you know, you don't say the right thing. Maybe you kind of mouth off at the wrong time. Or, you know, you, you kind of felt yourself doing a few things. It, it hasn't completely stopped you in life, but they're just kind of the way you are. They're your quirks, and they fit inside of this baggage real neat. And, and we, can, we can go through life with a little bag like this pretty good. I mean, we go through life, and people kind of accept us the way we are. But, you know, I found bags like this. The, the girls now, they, they have accessories that go with their bags, you know. They're kind of the shoes that match, and they got little earrings, and they got the necklaces that all kind of tie it in. And accessories in your life, like lying a little bit just to cover up some of the stuff you don't want anybody else to know about. Little secrets, you don't quite tell the truth. Or maybe you fib a little bit on your income tax, or you file a false report with the government. No one's going to really know. Little accessories, they all fit inside of this bag real nice and neat. But this bag we carried around through life, it's still a handicap. I mean, it's still difficult to drive your car. I mean, you can do it. You can drive your car with this bag, you know, but but it, it's, it's a challenge at times, and people just kind of expect us all to have it. We all do have little stuff in our side of our handbag. And you know what I got? I, we have what I call the carry-on bag. This is the kind of bag that we carry stuff in this bag. It's a little bigger than the stuff in the handbag. Uh, we carry this kind of stuff. Maybe it's a, it's a bad hurt to, towards someone. There's a bitterness. There's an anger in our heart towards someone that's done us wrong, and we carried this hurt around with us. Maybe it was a parent who abused us as a child or said something to us, and we carry this kind of bag. You know, this bag is, is one that we use in the airport. Isn't that right? It's the perfect size to fit inside that little thing, and, and uh, we, every once in a while, when we actually carry it through the airport, we're, we're able to hide this. You know, we, we put it up in the luggage rack, but a bag like this is a little diff more difficult to hide. And when you carry baggage like this around of some addictions or things that trip you up or things that keep popping up in your life, some hurts, you 
have a hard time keeping a job. You go from job to job, or maybe it's a relationship. You have a difficult time connecting with people of the opposite sex in a way that's healthy, and you carry this around in life. This one gets a little more difficult to hide. This bag right here is a carry-on bag, and you carry it with you through life, and this bag right here has got some stuff. It's got some hurts in it. It's a little more difficult to hide it, but we're still able to function. You know, we just carry it around. It's kind of a, a handicap. Now, the, the problem with this bag is that people know. I mean, people really kind of know that we got stuff now. We can't really hide it anymore. You know, we could hide that little handbag pretty easily. We could walk around with one hand in life, but this bag gets a little harder to hide. People can see this bag everywhere you go. They, they know you've got some baggage. Everyone say baggage. baggage. We all got baggage in our life. Now, this next one here. This is a suitcase. This is, oh, this thing's empty and it's still heavy. You know, the problem is when your baggage starts to get to be this size, your life's handicapped. You got serious handicaps. You got real problems. You end up self-medicating all the time. Maybe you go to a doctor and you prescribe pills, he prescribes some kind of pills to you. You find yourself abusing them in a way that you shouldn't or Maybe you find yourself in immoral relationships one after another. It's caused a lot of pain and brokenness and, and just a lot of hurt in your life. You start carrying a bag like this around, and, and it could be self-medication of illegal drugs, or it could be relationships, or and there's just all kinds of things in our life, stealing and hurting other people. This bag right here, it's impossible to conceal, and we start to load this bag down. As a matter of fact, you could probably put about 90 pounds worth of stuff in this bag. We take this bag to the airport, and we try to check this bag in. And, you know, if it weighs over a certain amount, and now it's about 50 pounds, a bag over 50 pounds at the airport is going to cost you extra money. When you start carrying bags in your life, life full of stuff and hurt, bad habits, when you start carrying bags like this around in life, it's going to cost you some extra. It's going to cost you maybe some time in the, the doctor's office. It's going to cost you some time maybe in a rehabilitation center. It's going to cost you some time maybe in a jail. Or it's going to cost you some time just sideline on the way of life, wondering what in the world happened to me. How did I get here? You feel yourself just broken, busted, and disgusted with your position and place of life. You know, I've experienced all three of these bags in my life. I've lived all three. I've walked all three in my life. I'm still unpacking baggage in my life. The baggage is getting lighter because the longer I serve Jesus, the sweeter, the sweeter he gets in my life. The more precious he becomes to me. Amen? This is what I call the trunk. Everyone say the trunk. There's junk in your trunk. This ain't just secrets in your life. This ain't just baggage in your life. This is baggage in your family's life. This trunk is actually a trunk that's traveled all over America. It's gone from, this, from Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, from where my mother passed away. This is my mother's trunk. It's full of memorabilia, family photos of my family for maybe 100 years. There's a lot of secrets inside of this trunk. Listen to me. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of good memories. There's a lot of... I could open this trunk up, and there are pictures. This thing is just full and full of pictures. I mean, all kinds of pictures. Pictures of family reunions, 
and marriages and weddings and aunts and uncles and annuals and parents, my parents' wedding manual. I mean, just this thing is just full. Just flipped open to a page here. One page, I, I see a man who was addicted. He was my grandfather. His name was Red. I see a man who was addicted to alcohol and died at the age of 69 of alcohol poisoning. I see a man here that was addicted to, to sex and to drugs. And that was my father. And I see my mother who had to carry the load of raising five children many times by herself. And I see a picture over here of another grandma who had a lot of insecurities and hurt and pain. This is just one little family here. A lot of secrets. A lot of secrets in here. I could just go through page after page and tell you experiences in my family. Some good ones and a lot of painful ones. And the problem with the junk in the trunk, if it's never dealt with in our life, is that we pass it on to the next generation. Secrets in the trunk. Junk in the trunk that's left undealt with in your life by the cross of Jesus gets passed on to the next generation. Hear me today. Listen to me. God's got a better plan. God's got a better way. I want you this morning to begin to see things the way that God sees them. You see, here's my big idea. I want you to read this this morning. Jesus wants to take the secrets of your heart and the pain of your life and use them for your good... And his glory. Jesus wants to take the junk in the trunk. The secrets of your heart. And the pain of your life. And he wants to turn them for your good. And for his glory. Hear me today. Our theme as we walk through this message today. As we talk about the pains and the trials. And the hurts of our life. You know we learn a lot from pain. I remember. I remember. I was just going down memory lane. Let's take a trip down memory lane this morning. Can we do that? I was taking a trip down memory lane. I was preparing this message. I was thinking about the first time I really kind of experienced pain that I remember was about the age of two. And at the age of two, I learned that you shouldn't stick a piece of metal into an electrical socket. (laughs) At the age of three, I learned, at the age of three, I learned that don't flush mommy's diamond ring down the toilet. Oh, yes. At the age of five, I learned that I shouldn't run through the neighborhood without my shoes on. At the age of six, I learned I shouldn't talk to my neighbor behind me, turn around, sitting on my knees in class. At the age of eight, I learned that it's not appropriate to let Kleenexes hang from my nose while the teacher is trying to teach. (laughs) At the age of nine, I learned that it's not a good thing to tell my grandmother that not I wasn't wearing underwear because none of the hippies were wearing underwear anymore. At the age of 10, I learned that jumping from my neighbor's house to see if I could bounce like a cat was not one of my brighter moments. At the age of 12, I learned trying to escape from my best friend's bedroom window in the middle of the night wasn't a very smart thing to do. And these are just some of the things that I've done in life, learned the hard way. You know, the fact is, some pain in our life is a direct result of choices that we make. Painful choices. We've all experienced it. We've all made wrong choices. We've all done bad things. We all have hurts. All have things that have been afflicted upon us in our lives. Some of them by ourselves, but some of them because of other people's choices. You know, when you have to deal with some choices that you've made and things that you've gone through in your life, it's like, you know... I. 
You can kind of say, okay, I, I messed up on that one, and you know, God will have mercy, God forgives me, but it's a lot harder when someone else does it to us. It's a lot harder when someone else afflicts pain. Maybe it's someone who is supposed to care and nurture and love and take care and provide for you. Maybe they walked out of your life when you were a young age. Maybe they abused you and took advantage of you and physically or emotionally or physically in your life. See, we've all been dealt a hand in life that we have to live out. Everyone in this room comes from a different background. Everyone in this room has different life experiences. And if you live long enough in this life, you will have trouble and you will have pain. It's not if. It's not if you're going to carry around some baggage in your life. It's you will carry baggage around in your life. Here's the thing. Here's the trouble with trouble. Here's the trouble with trouble. The trouble with trouble is that no one escapes it. No one escapes trouble in this life. The Bible says in Job chapter 5, Yet a man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. I mean, we're born into trouble. We're born into a troubled world. A world at conflict. A world at war. A world full of disease. A world full of poverty. Malnutrition. I mean, we're born into a world that is full of trouble. But we have the good, the bad, and the ugly all taking place at the same time. I, in my life, I've seen trials and troubles come in many different shapes and sizes. I've seen money troubles in my life, marriage troubles in my life. I've had trouble in my ministry, had trouble in my, my morality. I mean, we've all experienced trouble as a result of things that we struggle with in our life. I've seen many people struggle physically. Watched my own father, my own mother die at a very young age. It was a great struggle as they tried to fight to stay alive. Trouble came into their life. I've watched families di di disintegrate because of unforgiveness. As trouble raised its ugly head. See, people struggle with their faith and trusting God with their future as a result of the pain that they've experienced. John chapter 16, Jesus said, I told you these things. So did in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble. But listen to this. He doesn't leave us hopeless. This is what I want you to hear this morning. Jesus doesn't leave you hopeless. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Someone said amen. Here's the thing. God doesn't allow you to play the victim card any longer. None of us are victims in this life. We've had bad things happen to us, but our response to those, those things is we, what determines what's going to happen in our future. You make a choice today. You're a victim or you're a victor. You're conquered or you're a conqueror. You're overcome or you're an overcomer. Hear me today. You make a choice. You see, Jesus, this morning, wants you to know He has a way of turning your troubles and turning them into triumph in your life. He can do it. He desires to do it for each one of us. In our lives, troubles many times come in the form of temptation. The first verse that we read was found in Genesis chapter 50. Verse number 20 was actually a man by the name of Joseph talking about his life experiences 
his brothers had come to him, his very brothers who had, who had kidnapped him when he was about 17 years of age. And they had a lot of bitterness and enviness in their life towards him because out of all their 12 brothers, he was their father's favorite brother. The Bible says their brothers were full of bitterness and they kidnapped him. And then they were actually going to kill him. But one brother, Reuben, stood and said, hey, come on, let not, let's not have any blood in our hands. The Bible says they dug a big hole and they threw him into a pit and they sold him into slavery. I mean, his brothers made a lot of bad choices. His brothers had a lot of, they made a big mess out of their family's life. They hurt their father. They hurt their brother. They sold him into slavery. I mean, there was a lot of pain in Joseph's life. Joseph was a man in the Bible. You can read the story for yourself. It's one of the best stories in all the Bible and how to handle trouble and temptation and trials. Joseph was sold into slavery, but he was dedicated and committed to God. He knew that God could turn his trouble into triumph if he put his trust in him. And the Bible says that Joseph went from place to place and he was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. He was a wealthy man in Egypt and he served as his servant and God began to prosper him because he had the right attitude. You see, the attitudes of your life about your troubles will make the difference of your altitude. Hear me today. The problem isn't your problem. It's your attitude about your problem that makes the difference. Your attitude is your problem or it's your success. He was sold to Potiphar. Potiphar had a beautiful wife. And the Bible says that his wife would come every day and try to pull Joseph aside. And she actually said, hey, come and have sex with me. She, she would try to keep tempting him to have sex with her. And he'd say, no way. Why, I would never do that to my master. I would never violate that will. I would, I would never violate that trust. I wouldn't even violate that own relationship that I have with God. One day she trapped him in a corner. She was naked and she tried to pull his clothes off. The Bible says that he ran out the door screaming. And she started to scream, he raped me, he raped me. And then the Bible says that Potiphar became furious and threw Joseph into prison. I mean, Joseph had a lot of bad things happen in his life. A lot of unfair things happened. He could have been a victim. But when he went to prison, he had the right attitude. You see, hear me today. He, was tri he had a test. He had a big trouble. He was, he was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was tempted sexually. But Joseph had the right attitude. And his attitude is that when trouble came, he ran from it. When trouble comes into your life, you've got a choice. You run from it or you run to it. So many people, the way that they keep trouble in their life, they keep temptation in their life, is they're hanging around with the wrong people, they're playing with the wrong things, wrong playthings, and they're going to the wrong places. Hear me today. So much of the trouble and the trials that we personally experience in our life is because we're hanging with the wrong people, we're playing with, in the wrong playgrounds, and we're going to the wrong places. You have a choice to make. Joyce, Joseph had a choice to make. He ran from temptation. You see, God gives you a promise today. Every one of us will be tempted to do evil. Every one of us will be enticed to do wrong. The difference between a trial and a trouble and a temptation is this. A trial and a trouble comes into our life to build us, to make us stronger, to enable us to live as a victor. A, te a temptation comes into your life to tempt you or entice you to do evil. To do evil. Trials and troubles come into our life to build us, 
Adversity makes you strong. Everyone in this room has an opportunity to become strong in their faith and their trust in God through the trials and the troubles. But Satan, the father of lies, the hater of your destiny and the hater of your soul, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that he came to tempt Jesus, entice Jesus to do evil. And if he came to tempt the Son of Man, how much more will he tempt you? He hates you. He has a terrible plan for your life. He wants you to commit evil. He wants you to do acts of evil. He dangles these things before us. The world makes them look beautiful. The stuff in our bags, the, the junk in our trunk. When the enemy portrays it on television in the movies, it looks so cool. It looks beautiful. It looks glamorous. But the result, the fruit of it, is always trouble and always pain. Every time. See, there is no temptation in your life such as common to man. But God has made a way of escape for you. God has made a way of escape. God will provide a way for you to overcome. Joseph was tempted, but Joseph overcame the temptations of his life. See, God's purpose for you this morning, God's purpose for you as you walk through the troubles and the trials and the temptations of life is for you to overcome. See, God comforts us in our time of need. You're not left alone today. You're not an orphan. You're not an orphan. When you come to God, when you come to Christ, and you surrender your life to Him, the promise is that God will comfort you. And the God who comforts us in our trouble enables us to comfort others. And when others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. You see, if you never had a problem... You would never know that your God could solve them. If you never had a test, you would never have a testimony. If you never made a mess, you would never have a message of the grace and the gift of salvation that only God can give. Hear me today. Come on. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. See, God has a purpose. And your trials and testings and temptations. God's created you to overcome. God's created you to win. I have a very good friend of mine. He lives here. doesn't live here in this community. He has a ministry here in this community called Teen Challenge. His name is Jeff Jones. Sanford Teen Challenge is a worldwide drug addiction therapy community. It's a support community for men and women and boys and girls. Girls around the globe. And globe right here in Sanford, there's about 150 men that live in a residential center. Twelve years ago, Jeff Jones came to our church with a group of men from Teen Challenge. He'd been addicted to alcohol. He was actually court-ordered to go into this rehabilitation program. And I remember something different about Jeff is he would sing. I could see that there was something changed on the inside of his life. Jeff had caused a lot of pain. He'd made a lot of messes. He'd made a lot of mistakes. He'd lost his business. He's lost his family. He'd lost his kids. I mean, he lost everything because of the bottle. Couldn't just give it up. But when Christ came into life, God made the difference. You see, because he experienced the comfort and the forgiveness and the, and the message of God's grace, today he is the director of a center where over 150 men every single day are being ministered to the grace of God. Hear me today. Hear me today. God has a purpose for your messes. God has a purpose for your messes. He wants to take your messes and turn them into messages of grace and hope today. You see, what I discovered about baggage 
baggage is a result of spiritual weakness. And we're all weak. We're all weak. Paul the Apostle said, I do the things that I don't want to do. We all have weaknesses in our life. We all have failures in our life. There's no one in this room that's got this all. There's none. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. We have a ministry here at City Church called Celebrate Recovery. The ministry of Celebrate Recovery, the very first principle we learn in this ministry is that we learn to say this. I realize that I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing in my life. And my life is unmanageable today. See, we're all weak. We're all desperately need in the grace of God. When we're weak in life, when we come to the place where we realize we don't have all the answers and we can't figure it all out, it teaches us that we can't fix everything. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me or a woman remains in me, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. These hurts, this junk in the trunk, this stuff you're carrying around in your bag, you can't get rid of it apart from God. It's impossible. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. The memories of the heart, the memories of the mind, the bondages of the heart, the pains of life will never be healed on your own power. They'll never be healed found in the bottom of a bottle. They'll never, never be found laying beside someone in a bed. They'll never be found at the end of a bong, a bottle, a joint, a crack pipe. They'll never be found in all the money in the world. They'll never be found in those things. They can only be found through Christ alone. For it is in Christ alone we find our hope. You see, the message of Jesus today is although you were weak, I have become strong. You see, Christ in you is the hope of glory today. You're not on your own this morning. There is a hope. There is a power that is greater, that, greater in you. And Jesus said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God before you, who can be against you today? I want you to know that God wants to turn your weakness and make you strong through the power of his might. You're not strong in your own power. You're not strong in your own might. But by the power of God's grace and strength today, you can find the victory and the ability to overcome. <laughs> Weakness in our life teaches, that, teaches us that we need other people. You need other people. You can't do this alone. You need a local church family that will come alongside. You need people in your life who will speak truth to you. You need healthy people, people who still have baggage, but they're allowing God to take the baggage and to deal with the baggage of their life. No man is an island. You'll never do this on your own. Ecclesiastes says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You need other people, people who love God. You see, when you're weak today, it teaches us that we desperately need the grace of God. Paul the Apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the New Testament that churches all over the world preach today. Paul the Apostle, who was the great founder of the churches all throughout the Asia Minor and ancient parts of the world. Paul the Apostle had some kind of affliction. And he cried out to God in his life. He said, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. Three times he called out to God. 
God said this way, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you today. God's grace is available for you today. For every person that's in this room. It's the only God who can turn the pain, the trouble, the trials, the junk in your life. Only God can turn it for good and for His glory. Only God can do that. Joseph's brothers failed miserably. They made a huge mess of their family. They made a lot of wrong choices. They had a brother who made a right choice. Listen to me. This is the amazing thing. This is the amazing thing. They were broken. And God used the boys who were broken and God used the man who made the right choice. And he wove their lives together so that good could come. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that works. But God took the mess that these boys made over here. Lying, thieving, murdering, stealing, abusing, taking advantage. He took their mess and he took this one boy over here who decided to make a right choice. Decided he wasn't going to live that kind of life. And he wove their lives back together so that Joseph, because he passed the test, he passed the trials, he was a victor, he was a conqueror, one day would stand before them as the, most, as the second most powerful man in all the world. This is the true story. The second most powerful man in all the world. And they would stand before him. And he would look at them and say, you meant it for evil. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. About six years ago, there was a man, a young man by the name of Brian. He played football for Pennsylvania. He was a linebacker. He was a burly young man, strong, athletic, gifted, talented, smart. He was an engineer, was able to do not only athletics on the field, but he was also able to do schooling at school. Became an engineer, played football for Pennsylvania for a couple of years and, and found himself hanging out with the wrong people. He'd grown up in the church and his family loved God, but this young man, Brian, started to make some bad choices. He found himself sometime in 2000, 2005, he found himself abusing a woman, a woman that he'd been living with for eight years. He, he went in and he raped her. He tied her up and did all kinds of abusive things to her. He was caught and apprehended. He was going to stand before the judge on March 11, 2005. And while they were taking him over to the courthouse, the, the lady that was watching him, the sheriff that was watching him, had unshackled his chains around his feet, started talking to him, and he did a little smooth talk with her. And the next thing you know, he whacked her in the face. He threw her into the cell. He took her gun. He went into another cell. He got a change of clothes. He took those keys. He literally walked out of a, of a high-level penitentiary uh, institution in Atlanta, Georgia. He left that place. He went across the street to the courthouse. He walked into the, uh, into the courthouse. He went straight to the judge's chamber. He pulled out the gun. He brought the bailiff in. He brought the sheriff in. He brought the judge in, and he began to pull the trigger. Killed three people just like that. Then he took off, and he committed mayhem everywhere he went. He got high, found some guys that were selling mess, uh, methyl, uh, meth, and he found them, started sm smoking some meth, and then he just went on a rampage. 
He was abusing, killing, murdering, doing all kinds of evil things to people. And he found himself late one night in an apartment complex. There was a young girl. Her name was Ashley Smith. She was about 24 years of age, and she had grown up in the church also, and she'd made some wrong choices in her life, but she was fighting to come back. She'd been reading a book entitled The Purpose Driven Life, and she was reading this book, and, and God was working in her life. She was starting to get some things back together again. This man came to her and abducted her, and they found themselves in the room together. He tied her up, and he began to talk to her. He said, listen, he goes, he goes, you got something to read? She goes, yeah, I'm reading this book. And she went into her bedroom and pulled out this book called The Purpose Driven Life, written by a pastor of one of the largest churches in America. And she began to read that book. She was on chapter 33. She said, How to Become a Servant. That was the title of the chapter, How to Become a Servant. And as she began to read How to Become a Servant, the Holy Spirit of God began to convict this man. This man who had just done some incredible atrocities, this young woman, Ashley, who'd had her own stuff and her own baggage and her own junk, and that man began to minister to him, began to talk to him about the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus, something that she was just beginning to experience. And as she was talking to him, he put the gun down, he untied her, he allowed her to call the police, and they came and they arrested that man. I read that story, it's all over the internet, and He's in prison for triple, quadruple murder, lifetime, no parole. And, and I don't know what's happened with his life. I don't know what's happened with his life. But Ashley Smith, her life's been totally changed. She, she left all that old lifestyle, the drugs and the drinking and the partying, that pain. And she began to share the comfort and the grace and the forgiveness with people all over the country. She's been on Oprah Winfrey. She's been on Dr. Phil. She's been on Larry King. She literally traveled to the biggest churches in America telling the story of how I made a mess. How I made a mess and another person made a mess. But God weaved our lives together and he's turned it into a message of grace and hope. Hear me today. I don't, I don't even need to know. I don't even care. We all got stuff. We all got hurts and habits and things that we're overcoming in our life. But I want you to know that there's one who cares. 2,000 years ago, he went to the cross he spilt his blood for you and I, and his name is Jesus. The Bible said he's come to save his people from their sins. If you're full of, if you have no hope, he's the God of all hope. If your life is full of fear, he's the God of all faith. If your life is full of bondage and lust, he's the God who is full of love. See, he's the God who is here for you today. In the 1970s, there was a crazy man. Put this picture of the guy with the big afro. This guy is just a wild man. His name was Rollin Stewart, a.k.a. he was called the Rainbow Man. If you're a little bit older, if you're my age bracket, you remember him. He was in every sporting event around the world. In every, I mean, every sporting event. I don't know how he got to them all. Every baseball game, every football game, every soccer game, Olympics, World Series. And he would stand behind the crowd, and he would try to get the camera's attention as he held up a sign, John 3, 16. He was a crazy man. And he had a lot of baggage in his life. And he's actually in jail right now, serving three life sentences. I begin to think about him. He carried a placard around the world saying that God so loved the world, but he never personally experienced the love of God himself. 
He carried a placard all over the world telling people that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He had a problem. It was all up in here. It was all up in here. It never made the longest journey in the world from the head to the heart. Right now, if I could have no one else moving, please, if we could all just stay seated just for a moment. This is the most important time in all the service. This is the most important time because I believe there's some messes in this room that God wants to turn into a message of grace and a message of hope. I believe there's some hurts in this room that God wants to heal. I believe there's some habits in this room that God wants to help some people overcome. And you've heard the message today. You've heard the message of hope, the message of Jesus, the message of forgiveness. I want to ask you, where are you right now? Where are you right now? What are you feeling inside? Just come on, close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. What are you feeling inside? What is God speaking to you? What is God saying to you in your life? Do you still feel clueless as to why God has allowed this pain? Are you still wondering why God? Come on, I want you just to allow God to speak to your heart right now. I want you in just a moment to know that there is, a, there is one, his name is Jesus, who's come to save you, who's come to help you, who's come to forgive you. What is God saying to you? Do you want to know the love and the forgiveness of God today? Do you want to know that? Do you want to know that hope that only Jesus can give? There's two things that got to happen in your life. The first thing that has to happen is you must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one will see the Father. No one will see the kingdom of God. No one will see the abundant life. No one will experience victory. No one will get rid of the junk and their trunk unless they're born again. No one. No one. There is no other way to salvation except through Jesus. The second thing today that you must do is that you must believe that God wants to turn the bad in your life for good. You must believe that today. You must believe Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You must believe this about God today. God has not come here to hurt you. God has not come here to beat you up. God has come here to lift you up. God has come here to take the messages, uh, messes of your life and turn them into messages of grace. I want you to know there is hope today. Hope found in Jesus, in Christ alone. And every head bowed and every eye closed right now. you got a choice to make. That guy, A.K. Rollins, whatever his name was, the Rainbow Man, he had it in his head, but it never got into his heart. With the heart, man must believe. It happens in the heart today. It starts in your head. You make a choice to believe that the plans that God has for you for good. But in your heart, you must accept and believe that he is the God who forgives. He's the God who heals. He's the God who gives you a brand new start. You're in this room this morning, and that's you. You got a hurt. You got a bad memory. You got a bad habit. You got something in your life you haven't quite been able to unpack. That thing's gotten in the way. It's hindered you. 
It's caused broken relationships. It's caused a lot of pain. But you're ready today. You're ready to deal with it. You're ready to give it to God. You're ready for a fresh start. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right now in this room. Oh, my goodness. Come on. This is your moment. This is your moment. Don't just be a hearer now. Come on, let's stand together right now. All across this room, let's stand together. I don't know how we're going to do this. I need some altar workers right now in the back to come up on the stage with me right now. I need some altar workers to come up on the stage. Listen. Joseph ran from evil, and he ran to God. Joseph, just line up right behind me, right across the stage. Just line up all across the back. Joseph ran from evil, and he ran from God, and he ran to God. Right now, you raise your hand. The bands will begin to play. I don't want to waste any time. I want you to know this is for you today. This is your hour of deliverance. This is your hour that God wants to work a miracle in your life. I want you to just begin to make your way to this altar right now. Come on. Come quickly. Come on. You raise your hand right now. Let's not waste any more time. Come on right now. You got your hand up. All across this room. Come on, worship team. Begin to play right now. Begin to help me out. 